my existential journey into Desert Falcon. This is Desert Falcon. In the game, you play as a falcon. You fire with the left button and use power-ups with the right button. You can fly through an isometric landscape at multiple altitudes, like Zaxxon or the better Blue Max. You can also walk on the ground and swim through the water. Your job is to fly through each level and kill the Sphinx boss at the end. While you fly, enemies of many types fly at you, while you dodge various sized pyramids and other objects. Bonus items and hieroglyphics are spread across the floor of the desert. You gain bonus powers by picking up three hieroglyphics. The game feels strange at first. It's like a lost arcade game from an age that never existed. The up and down y-axis movement of the falcon makes it not easy to gauge exactly how high you are in relation to the enemies flying towards you, so the controls are immediately off-putting. The game also requires you to land, hop around, and pick stuff up, which is not normal at all for the time. Gems, precious bars of minerals, and hieroglyphics are spread across the randomly generated levels. To get them, you lower your bird to the ground where he starts hopping across the landscape and or swimming through the water. Gems and bars are good for points, while the hieroglyphics award superpowers after you've collected three of them. The instruction manual mentions eight different hieroglyphics, like onk, bull, and eye and 10 superpowers like Air Bomb, Decoy, and Omnicide. However, it does not specify what to collect to create which superpower. It's a game of mystery. The Mysteries of Desert Falcon When playing Desert Falcon, all of the powers are built out of three hieroglyphics, which is complicated. The common ones that I found, Speed Up, fast shoot and skip level are not even mentioned in the instruction manual. Furthermore, not only do you need to collect things, but you need to read the bottom of the screen to see if they are enacted automatically, i.e. free points, or need to be deployed with the right fire button. And even then, if you get one, for example, like kill sphinx or decoy, you need to have the patience to not use it until the end of the level. Because of this, the game requires both quick reflexes and your ability to recall the recipes you have learned to create certain powers and mix both of those skills at the same time. Your reflexes and brain are taxed in a sort of pat my head, rub my stomach challenge. Given the isometric view, you are also fighting enemies at multiple altitudes and dodging randomly generated objects at the same time. It is a lot to ask of players, but I think if it was released in the Golden Age, it would have been seen as a brilliant game that offered arcade games is a fantastic challenge. I could imagine Bill Kunkel or Arnie Katz raving about the game in the pages of Electronic Games just because it offered something new and a great challenge. The Burial of Desert Falcon But this game did not come out in 1984. It was released for the 7800 VCS and Atari 8-bit in 1987 when the Tremils owned Atari. At that time, Atari game design chops felt suspect. They hadn't really been in the game for almost three years. Even to me, an Atari 7800 owner from Christmas 1986, much of the game design in the Tremil era of Atari felt archaic. 
like it was from a different era and a different mindset entirely. Long gone were the 70s and the lore-filled Silicon Valley buildings with Atari programmers hacking away on games while Nolan Bushnell fueled them with a steady diet of beer parties and hot tubs. Long gone was the Kassar era days of the early 80s where guys like Todd Fry and Howard Scott Warshaw bounced ideas and their very bodies off the walls while thumbing their noses at Warner Brass, smoking joints, and creating crazy ass sh- like Sword Quest Earthworld. No, this game came out in the no-nonsense era of Atari Corp, at a time when games were an afterthought to selling 68,000 base computers. A time when Nintendo and Sega had taken up the mantle of video games, and the ideas and games of the Golden Age felt quaint by comparison. Nintendo and Sega seemed to exude a love for games. Everything about those companies felt like they were geared towards making games better and better and more fantastic and immersive at every turn. By 1987, by contrast, Atari Corp still had the 2600 going, released the Mothballed 7800, and announced the XEGS, yet another video game system, this time based on the Atari 8-bit computers. It was a crazy strategy to support all of them at the same time. All of it was selling for rock-bottom prices, too, and honestly, with very little care about the nuances that were so important from a Golden Age Atari. Game boxes were cheap, manuals were short and flimsy, cartridge labels black and white. It was all designed to sell as many units of whatever to as many customers at the cheapest price as possible. The Tremille way. This was very noticeable. While Nintendo and Sega games were easy to find at almost any toy store, Ataris were buried, hidden, or non-existent. Even at the Federated Group, a chain of stores Atari purchased, you'd be hard-pressed to find a complete set of any of their games or software, while the salespeople knew next to nothing about the product lines. Atari Corp just did not feel like a serious player in video games. Instead, it felt like they were selling off old stock to fund their next Atari ST monitor or disk drive upgrade. So when this game came out, for me, it was easy to write it off as just another crappy Atari Corp product. 1987 was too late for these types of games. People wanted Mario Brothers and Zelda and Metroid and Contra and Shinobi and Final Fantasy. No one needed a Zaxxon clone where you played a bird and hopped on the ground. I don't think I ever bought this game when I had my original Atari 7800 back in 1986-1987, but I did get a copy with my 7800 mail order super blowout package in 1995. Still, I've rarely if ever played it. My mistake with Desert Falcon. Now, 34 years later, I realize I may have made a mistake. In our recent interview with Michael Feinstein from GCC, he told us that he started the game with another programmer in 1984. So you worked on Desert Falcon. Is that a game yeah. that Atari designed or that you guys uh, came that up was with? an original game. Okay, so we okay. had, you know, there was a game called Zaxxon. Yep. In the arcades, which is like same kind of 3D perspective, and we didn't we didn't do Zax we didn't have the rights to do Zaxxon for the for the Atari 2600 or 5200, and so we never did that 3D perspective kind of game. So we said we want to do one, let's do one original game, and that was Desert Falcon. And so yeah. the the general look, I mean, it doesn't look like Zaxxon in some ways, but that idea of that 3D perspective from the side. You can gauge how high things are because there's a shadow. Um, and then we just went crazy on the gameplay in terms of, um, you know, both, you know, we, we we decided very, I don't remember how we decided, we decided very early on that it was going to be this Egypt motif. Yeah. And and then, you know, Desert Falcon pretty quickly became the name. Um, 
but the idea, you know, how the gameplay work kept on evolving, right? So there's, you know, things to fly through and around. And then we ended up deciding like the bird, which is like the character that you're controlling, right. the falcon, was really important. And we gave that bird a ton of personality. So if you spend time with that game, I mean, the bird um, walks, hops, swims, flies, flips over and dies on its back when it gets shot or That's killed. That's amazing. So, I, you know, if you think about Zaxxon, you know, it's kind of a shoot em up game. Fly around, shoot em, you know, kind of avoid things, shoot at things. And we have all that in Desert Falcon. But we added another layer, which is there's these hieroglyphs on the ground right. that the bird co- collects. And different combinations give you all different kinds of either bonuses or superpowers. And so, you can kind of just focus on that and do all these different things, and there's tons of combinations. He went on to describe how it was developed at GCC and the enormous effort and care the GCC team put into the game. I was shocked when I heard this. I've been wrong the whole time. This game was from the Golden Age. Desert Falcon is not some kind of one-off, throwaway, new title from Atari created in 1987. It was instead the first original Atari 7800 game, written in 1984 for launch on the system. It was created by GCC, the genius minds who invented Miss Pac-Man and Food Fight and developed 80 or so Atari 2600, 5200, and 7800 titles for Atari Inc. from 1982 to 1984 as a kind of outsourced secret weapon for Atari. It might not have seen released until 1987 when Atari Corp created versions for the 2600 and the Atari 8-bit, neither of which were made by GCC, but its pedigree was planted firmly in the era of Golden Age Atari. With that realization, it was easy to see the game in a new light. It was designed to test and show off all the aspects of the system itself, to help debug the hardware, to push it to its limits. It was like that moment in a dumb movie where the jock removes the nerd girl's glasses and suddenly she is pretty. She was pretty the whole time, of course. It just took the jock to look at her with his eyes unblinded. And now in my eyes, in 2023, Desert Falcon has been vindicated. The Vindication of Desert Falcon. For the past few days, I've been obsessed with this game. It's a showcase for all that could be done with the Atari 7800. The action is fast with lots of objects on the screen. The game feels like a cross between Zaxxon and Xevious, with the hieroglyphic power-ups adding a deeper fourth dimension. It utilizes both fire buttons and a whole range of movement from the joystick. Color palette shifting is used to make each new level look more interesting, and the sounds are very well done for a TIA-based game, even incorporating music at the beginning and a pulsating soundtrack at the levels are played. There are so many options when it comes to power-ups, it's almost mind-boggling. This truly is a game of discovery, but also randomness, but also deep and challenging. It's not perfect by any means, but once you get into it, it feels engrossing to try to figure it all out. In many ways, this game is a poster child for what we refer to as the vertical blank. It represents what could have been. It was created by the right people at the wrong time and then buried for years. If this is what GCC was making in 1984, 
1984, I just wonder what amazing stuff they would have pushed the 7800 to do by 1987. What wonders did we miss because Jack Tramiel didn't understand or care about video games? Would all of our games be called Old Man Cringe by the younger generation if Atari and GCC were blowing the roof off the joint with amazing games in 1987 instead of just rolling out what looked like, on first inspection anyway, an adventurous tech demo with the name Desert Falcon. But Desert Falcon now holds a new place for me. I crave playing it to learn all of the combinations and see what lies beyond level 4, the highest level I've achieved. I now know that it was the last great project that the video game masters at GCC made for Atari, and Atari didn't even care. In July 1984, GCC must have felt abandoned by Atari as developers, just like we did as fans. GCC are the mirror image of Atari fans. Maybe that's why I'm so fascinated by them. They are we, and we are them. And that's why I'll be mounting my Desert Falcon and flying it many more times in the future. I'll try to catalog the hieroglyphics. I'll try to find out the best ways to get through the level. I'll shoot the end-level Sphinx boss and collect the gems in the bonus days beyond and move on to the next level. I'll get past level 4 and beyond. It's a golden age game, of course, so I know that there is no real ending. But instead, it's a fatalistic exercise. The cliche of the journey being more important than the destination, except it's true. Like many gems from the golden age, it's an existential version of life itself, where you can play the game even perfectly for a time. But in the end, there is only one way out, one final destination. And to me, that final destination is no further than directly inside their vertical blank. Explored a bit world.